Turn your Bibles to the Johannine Gospel, the Gospel of John, chapter 17, for a sermon entitled, On Mission. We all love a good spy thriller, don't we? Maybe remember the old Get Smart series, the old sitcom with a contemporary remake starring Steve Carell in 2008. It's a Cold War saga. It's a satiric sitcom where secret agent Max works for control, a secret part of the United States CIA, where he tries to control the Russian chaos. If you don't remember Get Smart, perhaps you remember Mission Impossible, a small team of secret agents used for covert operations against dictators of the evil empires, Mission Impossible, also with four movie remakes starring Tom Cruise. Seems like we all love a good thriller. Secret agents, covert operations, deep down, we all want to be a spy. In these edge-of-your-seat thrillers, the assignment often comes in the form of a recording that self-destructs a few minutes after it's played. And after the mission is described, the message is always the same. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, and then the assignment, and poof, a puff of smoke. Should you choose to accept it. Elite organizations have always appreciated the importance of volunteering for covert operations. Military organizations know that if someone volunteers, they're more likely to give the assignment their whole heart, a path they've chosen for themselves. So as in the television shows of old or the movies of today, we find out as God's people, we are sent on a secret mission if we choose to accept it. Now, the Bible's not going to blow up a few seconds after we learn our assignment. But to become a follower of Jesus is to be on a mission, a mission possible, leading people to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. So the question today is, are you willing, church, to receive your God-assigned mission, your assignment as a follower of Jesus, to know that you and I are here for a purpose, and one purpose only, to live our lives as faithful followers of Jesus, and to bring as many people into his kingdom, into his movement, as possible. When we take God into our lives, when we catch the heart of God, when we follow His leading, His purposes become our purposes. When we surrender to His will, when we allow His plans to become bigger than our plans, when we worship and adore the God of our heart's desire, we get ready for a mission. God chooses us. God chooses the church to build up his kingdom. 
We go into this world as an agent of God, sometimes loudly, sometimes quietly, but always with a purpose, to lead others to Christ. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to bring people into the hope, the peace, the joy, the assurance of God's salvation through a son who loved them enough to die. He was faithful to his mission, but will we, will we be faithful to ours? It was a few months ago I was in a local eating establishment. If I called the name of the place, everybody in here has been there, and all of you would recognize it. And one of the employees, who was relatively new, when I walked in, I guess she recognized me from television, and she looked to her left to see if any of her co-workers were listening. She looked to her right to see if any of them were listening, and then she said in a whisper, Jesus is Lord. As if we were on the same mission. We were on the same team. That she and I had a covert operation going. She whispered with a gleam in her eye, Jesus is Lord. Have you ever wanted to be on a subversive mission? Where you as a special agent are involved, sometimes overtly, sometimes covertly, trying to overthrow evil power. In reality, that's who we are as followers of Christ. We're on a subversive mission. We're members of the body of Christ. We are his agents, and we are to fight and defeat and overcome the powers of evil that come, John 10, only to steal, kill, and destroy. Paul, in the book of Philippians, reminds his readers that in reality, our common wealth is heaven. Moffat more vividly translates it, we are a colony of heaven here on earth. A colony is a beachhead, an outpost, an island of one culture and the middle of another culture. That's who we are. <coughs> I went to an online spy shop to see what goods I could find for our secret mission. I found a Coke can it looks like an ordinary Coke can, but it was a camera. It was hundreds of dollars, and it would last for four hours. And while you're seated there with a Coke can having a casual conversation, the Coke can is recording the other person across from you. There was not a Diet Coke version, <laughs> so I'll be forever suspicious of you guys who drink the real thing. It might be a camera. And ladies, you are not left out. I found a, a lipstick pistol. Now talk about the kiss of death. That's the end of things, <laughs> isn't it? I actually found a shoe telephone. It, this was an authentic Romanian shoe telephone from the 1960s and 70s, just like the one on Get Smart. No, I've not been watching too many spy flicks. And I'm not completely off my rocker, at least. But it's a really good depiction of what's taking place in Scripture. We have a cosmic battle between good and evil. And those who follow Christ are agents. We are agents on a mission. 
First thing I want you to see from the text this morning is we are not of this world. This world is not our home. We are not of this world. Look at John 17, 14. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they're not of the world, even as I, Christ says, am not of the world. You see, Christianity is not simply a new understanding of reality. It is that, but it's more than that. Christianity is an invitation to become part of an alien people who make a difference because they see something that otherwise cannot be seen without Christ in their life. We see the world totally different than those who have not uttered the words, Jesus is Lord. You understand that ultimately all human beings are on one side or the other side. You're either on God's side, the redeeming side, or you're on the side of chaos, the evil side, destruction. There is no middle ground this morning. Those of you who suppose in your minds that you're walking in the middle, not yet making a commitment to the lordship of Christ, but don't suppose yourself really following evil either. Actually, You've already made your choice in the moment of indecision. Either you are with the Christ and his movement on this earth, or you are against the Christ and his movement on this earth. Satan loves nothing more than for someone to stand in the middle and imagine in their mind that they have not made a choice. And convincing you not to make a choice, Satan has chosen for you. And you've rejected your mission. We are not of this world. John Chrysostom said so long ago in the fourth century that Jesus is saying, my followers have something else in view. They have nothing in common with this earth. They have become citizens of heaven. The church knows Jesus and the world does not know Jesus. The greatest event in all of human history is not the discovery of a continent. It is not the dropping of a bomb. The greatest event in human history is the death and the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus as the Son of God. What reality defines you this morning? The reality is the world's core values are not our values. The world's goals certainly should not be our goals. Jesus made it clear that he is not of this world, that he is absolutely otherworldly. He was from another kingdom, possesses another power. God loves the world enough to send Jesus into the world to die for the world. He wants to redeem the world, but he has not become part of the world and his brokenness. Have you ever lived in a foreign country or maybe even a different part of the United States that wasn't where you were raised? And you just don't feel at home there? A missionary told me once on a foreign field that he had learned the language. He had learned the culture as good as he could. 
but it still didn't feel like home to him. That's the way we're to be as God's people. We're here on this earth, and we'll learn the language, and we'll be kind. We'll try to influence and redeem the world along with our Christ, but the reality is we do not quite fit in here. We, we don't belong here. The reality is we're just passing through. We are pilgrims on a sojourn. We are pilgrims on a journey. We are passing through to eternity with our Christ. Peter says in his first epistle, chapter 2, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers, we are foreigners here, Peter's saying, to abstain from fleshly loss which wage war against your soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. Or in Hebrews, that great section of faith in Hebrews 11 Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's that section where he talks about Abel and Noah and Enoch and Abraham and Sarah. The author of Hebrews writes, all these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Abraham and Sarah and Noah and Enoch and Abel, they too were part of the people of God, and therefore they were not at home here. They were strangers. They were exiles on this earth. For those who say such things make it clear they are seeking another country. They are seeking a place of their own. That is desire. They desire a better country. That's a heavenly one he's speaking of. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city, a different place for them. The message of Scripture is consistent. We shouldn't be at home here, really. This is not ultimately our place. We are just on mission, on mission for the eternal kingdom. You may not need a Coca-Cola camera or lethal lipstick to get the job done, but you need to be equipped and realize the enemy is around every single corner looking to take down those who are making a difference for the kingdom of God. The world hates us because we call men and women out of this world into a different set of values, into a different kingdom. We call them to a heavenly dwelling. We call men away from the wealth of this world, and we call them to the riches of God. The world is about power, and the kingdom of God is about peace. The world is about greed, and the kingdom of God is about giving. The world is about lust, and the kingdom of God is about love. The world pushes injustice on the weak and the poor and the old and the unborn. The kingdom puts priority on the widow and the orphan, protecting the weak and the defenseless. Totally two different kingdoms with two different sets of values. We are not of this world. 
Our mission, should we choose to accept it, is nothing less than the great commission to call men to a new kingdom, to a new Christ, to a new emperor, the crucified and resurrected Lord. Remember the messages of Jesus. His sermons can be summarized in about a sentence. What did Jesus say when he preached? Repent. Why? The kingdom of God has arrived. And his miracles and his teachings and everything was a message that there was an invasion of the kingdom of God to this earth. And things after Christ would never be the same again. Repent for the kingdom has begun in the person of the Christ. And this is a kingdom that will bring an end to all of the kingdoms. It's here. The army is marching. It's like a mustard seed. It starts small, said Jesus, and then it will grow. And the world, he warns, will hate us because it hated him. A few chapters before in John 15, verse 18, he says, If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of this world, but I chose you out of the world because the world hates you. Following Jesus has never been for the faint of heart. It's for the devoted, the dedicated, those willing to risk life and limb and fame and fortune, all they have for the greater good of God. And the kingdom of God is not found in one country. It transcends all cultures, all who say those words, Jesus is Lord. In fact, the reality is we have more in common with a German, a Japanese, or a Chinese believer than we do an unbeliever in the United States. I understand the privilege and are grateful for the privilege of living in this, the greatest country ever imagined. But I also know that kingdoms rise and fall and men come and go. And our commitment as a church is first and foremost to the kingdom of God before is a commitment to anything else or any other power. The thing I share with the Chinese believers is that we have the common cause of Christ, which is stronger than any country's cause, on a mission. Transcending all barriers and cultures and countries because Jesus is Lord. The second thing I want you to see, Jesus doesn't take us out of the world. He, he leaves us here to work and redeem for his purposes. Look at verses 15 through 17 of John 17. I did not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world, sanctifying them in truth, your word is true. The most isolated life I ever lived was when I was in seminary. Seminary is something after college, kind of like law school is to lawyers. Seminary is to ministers, three years graduate school. And, and, and at seminary, you ate at seminary. You could go to school at seminary. You could work at seminary. You could work out and exercise at seminary. You could get your haircut at seminary. You could go to the seminary doctor. And before I realized it, it was an isolated life. All these ministers tucked away totally out of the world. Don't be that way, Jesus is saying. 
We are not of the world, but he's not taking us out of the world, verse 15. We are here to redeem the world. Same thing that happens at seminary could happen at a downtown Baptist church if we weren't careful. We could do all of our friendships here, have all of our activities here, and never go out into the world to win men and women to Christ. Do you have specific activities and specific relationships where you're seeking to lead others out of this evil world into the kingdom of the Christ? Are you on mission for the Great Commission? Are you willing to play the role of the redeemed? Now, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians I told you not to associate with sinners. I meant sinners in the church. I didn't mean sinners in the world because I'd have to take you out of the world. And I'm not going to take you out of the world yet. Sometimes we want to blame a pig for rolling in the mud. That's what pigs do. Sometimes we fault sinners for not acting like saints. That's what sinners do. Sometimes we yell at the world for not being like the church. And the world can't be the church. We've got to bring them into the church to be like the church. Eugene Peterson, pastor and author, tells an interesting story. He and his family were at a a meadow at the foot of a mountain in Yellowstone Park. There's a little boy, four or five years of age, and he was picking the wild alpine flowers and getting himself up a bunch of flowers, which breaks 715 legal codes to pick those flowers. (laughs) It's against the rules of a national park, To do so, the Sierra Club motto is, take nothing but pictures and leave nothing but footprints. You know it, right? Eugene Peterson said his kids knew that. They wouldn't pick flowers. Take nothing but pictures, leave nothing but footprints. He said, in fact, one of my children thought that was in the Bible somewhere. I told them that so much. So here's a little kid out in the meadow picking the flowers. He's only five years old. It was more than the pastor could take seeing the boy destroying the national park, he was outraged. It was holy ground to the pastor, this national park. So he yelled at the kid. He didn't even know the kid, but he yelled out, don't pick the flowers. Little boy just stood shocked and frozen. He didn't know the rules. He just stunned and cried and and dropped the flowers and ran from the mean man who was screaming at him. Peterson said, you can imagine what happened after that when I got in the car. My wife and my children, especially my children, were all over me. Daddy, what you did was far worse than what he did. He was just picking a few flowers, and you yelled at a little boy. You scared him. You ruined him. He'll need counseling until he's 40 years of age. My children were right, he says. You cannot yell people into holiness. My yelling, says the pastor, was a far worse violation of that holy place than a preschooler picking a few flowers. So it is, church. We can't yell the world and expect them to follow the rules that they don't even know exists. So here's our mission. Should we choose to accept it? 
We are to reach out to a fallen, broken, evil world with the grace of God. We are to be an ambassador, an agent for the other side. We come to a place where it is not enough to be saved. We want to share that salvation with others. We take on responsibilities inherent in the saved life and find ourselves assigned to positions in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our schools where the ways of God and men and women intersect. And people show up at these crossroads and they're discouraged and they're beaten and they're broken down and our life, church, intersects with their life and we are the bearers of hope. We're to give them the weather report and give them refreshments and encourage them and point them to the Christ and his bride, the church. And we care. And only as long as we care, church, do we have a right to say anything. The word care is at the heart of the Christ. Your assignment today, should you choose to accept it, is to be the presence of Christ to a lost and dying world. A few months later, I went back into that eating establishment. I walked in. Same employee looked around left and right. And she winked and she said, Jesus is Lord. She and I and you and I are citizens of another kingdom. We have a different king and a different message and the most powerful story is a story of a crucified and a resurrected Christ. And all that we do and say while we're just passing through on this side is to be members of the most powerful cosmic movement ever. A movement of many nations and many peoples. All who will bow down and say, on that day, Jesus is Lord. Let us pray. Oh God, there's some here this morning who've never uttered those words, Jesus is Lord, and Satan has her, Satan has him putting off any decision. Decision to proclaim the Christ, decision to be part of a, a dedicated member of a, a body of believers. They find themselves as spectators when they ought to be players. They find themselves in the stands when they ought to be on the field. Father, we are quickened this morning by the call of our Christ to another kingdom, to another purpose, to our only mission that matters. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.